Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Elevated Podcast. It's Juan Lozada with you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm super excited to be here with a special guest that I have. Um, he'll introduce himself right now, but I really wanted just to dive into this episode. It's going to be an awesome conversation about Mental Health Awareness Month. And so without further ado, uh, we got my guest over here. If you could introduce yourself, what you do, um, where you're from, and, and yeah, you know, and all that good stuff. I, I love you, dude. Seriously, man. This all of it. Um, my name is Dan Compton. Um, man, I live in El Dorado Springs. El Dol in the I, house. I, yeah. I, uh, I, my day job is in hospital IT. Yeah. So I work with clients uh, in New York City, get to spend some time there, and then uh, getting ready to do it all over the country. So yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. I have five kids, a beautiful wife, and um, man, we're loving living in the country. Starting a church in El Dorado Springs yeah. with the hill. and. Yeah, man, it's good. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about um, Dan's background um, throughout the episode, and it's just gonna be amazing conversation. Um, I mean, you know, uh, what we'll, we will be talking about is just um, things that I think impact people's lives and 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 truly um, have a significance that sometimes they don't even know that it's there. Um, so today's quote, guys, is uh, it reads like this. Children that have been abused do not have behavior problems that need to be addressed. They have extreme survival skills mm. that need to be understood. This was by Paula Goodwin. I, the thing that I see in this quote is behavioral problems, right? When people act up, it is because a... A situation that affected them in the past that sometimes people brush off and they don't know about the 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 present um, stronghold that it has right. that when something happens they react to it right to me that that's what trauma is you react to a certain thing that has happened not because of what it is yeah. but because of the past and so um, let, let's just really just break this down you know, like, what is your take on this? What, like, survival skills, yeah, right? Um, they just need to be understood. It so that's, it's so significant that we understand that especially, it, it, listen, we almost have to take a step back and look at what is trauma, mm. right? And so I think most of us would, would start a definition of trauma to say it's some extreme event and we would imagine it uh, separate from ourselves right right like uh, severe abuse or you know attempted murder or you know yeah. PTSD from a war fighter or something like that and the reality is is we all experience trauma mm. in one in 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 the course of our lives yeah, um, and, yeah. and many of us I would, I, would, I would say just about all of us um, have experienced some level of trauma. Yeah. And trauma uh, affects our body. Um, and our body doesn't forget it. Right. And so what we develop are ways to cope with that trauma. Yeah. Um, and so what, what trauma looks like is any time your um, fight or flight response is enacted. Mm. 
right? And so fight or flight response or freeze, flight, fight, or freeze, yes. really is probably uh -huh. the, the, the better definition of that, is a, a very basic, primal, lower brainstem response to some external force, mm. right? And so all of us experience that flight, fight, or freeze. I mean, it may be a, a situation of being embarrassed because you got to get up in front of an audience of people. Yeah. Or it may be somebody that's threatening you or that you're, you're afraid. Anytime that you feel fear or anger um, or insecurity or a lack of safety, that can trigger that fight or flight or freeze response. Yeah. Um, this is where trauma lives. Mm -hmm. And so people that have had extreme traumas like uh, sexual abuse, physical abuse, um, verbal abuse, o over time, um, the brain starts to reorder itself. Yeah. And so they live in a fight, flight or freeze response all the time. And that can be exceptionally dangerous to relationships, um, building relationships, maintaining relationships, growth, personal health, mental health, all, all of that. Yeah. Right? Um, I just want to ask the big question. Right, let's start at the top. Can trauma be healed? Absolutely. And I'm, I'm not just talking about healing that is temporary. Yeah. I'm talking about lifelong yep. healing. Right, so yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and this is the path, the experience of it, I think for each person that, it, that experiences trauma and the healing from it, the permanent healing from it looks different, um, mm -hmm. but the path is the same. And so um, in our family, um, I, have, I have two children that experienced extreme trauma before I became their dad. Um, and what we've learned in that process, and it's true of everybody, is, and the brain is such an amazing, uh, such an amazing design, and we don't, we don't understand it. Um, all, all the way, but the brain is going to continue to process things in the pathways that already exist, right? So if you're the response to some external force of somebody accusing you of something yeah. or somebody asking you a question and that triggers a trauma response, my go-to from a survival standpoint, we're going to get there, I think, on yeah. survival, um, is to lie. Hmm. My greatest need in that moment is self-preservation. And so as I continually operate in that framework, in that mindset, that's the, uh, I'm, I'm feeding that part of my brain, right? And that pathway is gonna grow into a super highway. Yeah. Permanently healing trauma is changing, really, the brain chemistry so that because I feel safe, I can have a different response. As we continue to teach that to children or adopt that as adults in understanding our surroundings, we can change permanently that response to trauma. Because like you said at the beginning, it's not a response to, like what's happening around us yeah. doesn't yeah. match our response and what's going on on the inside. So somebody may walk by us and kind of look at us like, and I'm going, that person hates me. They looked at me, and they don't like me. They don't want anything yeah. to do with me. 
I have a problem. I'm not worthy, and it and we can and that's a tra- that's really a trauma yeah. response because that person might have, I don't know, what, poop their pants like they're giving it like yeah. what what yeah. A, yeah that's a bad example <laughs> but like something yeah. absurd right yeah. that it's just a look on their face mm-hmm. and I'm taking their external view yeah. and I'm internalizing it yeah. and and having it mean something to yeah. me. Yeah, and and I think that um, it's that attitude, that chip on people's shoulder of it is me mm. against the world. Yeah. It, 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 it like Survival. everyone has a problem with me, and therefore I have to fend for myself. Like I have to fight everybody because everybody's out to get me. Yeah. Right, and and that comes from a place of what? What? what where does that come from? It, it, many times is it is it a environmental? place is it a cultural can be. thing is it a a, a, a nurturing thing yeah you know and and it's really a general question to people because so many of us don't think of that yeah you want to know what it really is yeah at, the, at its most basic it's selfishness and pride everything revolves around me i'm the only one i can experience yeah i'm matching my insides to everyone's outside yeah. And I feel out of place. I feel insecure. I look at Instagram and it, listen, we don't, I'm, I can get all bent out of shape <laughs> about that. For real. Yeah. Uh, my daughter was like, Dad, can I have Instagram? I was like, no. Mm. Like, what can I say to get that? I'm like, nothing. Mm. This is a hill for me to die on. Yeah. Because I'm not going to give you the insight into constant comparison. Yeah. And so a narrative starts yeah. to get built in your mind over time. Yeah. That is a lie. I was literally just talking about social media in my last episode of of this. And, you know, sometimes it's really hard for us to understand that this is all a highlight reel. Yeah. Like, this is all fake. This is, this is literally a physical mirage. Yeah. Because when you do get fame or when you do get money when you get the wife the husband of your dreams when you get whatever it is that you're trying to attain the bible says solomon says it's all a chase after the wind yeah that when you open what you wanted like where did it go and so i feel like mental health has to do with what we intake right what we see what we hear what, what we, the words that we read and we plant into our minds are the things that we feed our soul our spirit mm-hmm. our music like everything that we digest yeah. from the abstract not not i'm not talking about food has an impact in our life and our decisions yeah. and the way that we react to things um the the three f's right. fight flight or freeze right. You know, and so what would you tell a person that is listening in and saying, okay, Dan, I really want to be healed. Mm. I want to start a healing process. But I don't know what avenue that is. Yeah. Well, so let me make a clarification. Mental health doesn't exist because of our selfishness, Mm. right? Where, where, how we look at the world, I think for most, most people, um, that's that's that pride and that selfishness is, right. is real. Mental health is real, right? And and the needs to uh, seek professionals right. that are trained, that are they're trusted. Absolutely. Um, 
I would say never. Because you're not you're not advising people to just go out and tell their best friend no, about no, no, their no. problems yeah, and no, no, about no. <laughs> yeah no. Or am I or am I in any way stating that they are responsible for their trauma, or their or their own mental health? Right. Like we have a a a, a responsibility. Yeah. But a lot of times, listen. If I if I look at it from my little boy's standpoint, they didn't do anything. Mm. They didn't do anything. Yeah, to to incite or create an environment that hurt them. Yeah. Um, but to to your question, um, I would say two things. One is you cannot do uh, or achieve or understand your potential until you understand your identity, mm. and that identity has to start with who Jesus is. Yeah. And what did he do? Yeah. Right. So it takes you out of it yeah. and puts it on his shoulders. Um, I don't know another way. Yeah. I, there's all kinds of information mm. all over the place about how people have healed and, and done it yeah. apart from Jesus. I, I don't have any experience mm. apart from him. I was a mess before him and, and yeah. on a road to absolute destruction. And, and then the other side of including this includes the professional side, and maybe even listen, medication for a time, right? I mean, there's yeah. we can't we can't say that that's that's not helpful, but surrounding yourself with people that create safe environments. Yeah. So children can't choose that; we have to choose that for them. Yeah. Adults, you and me, I can choose, right? I can say no to those people that are unsafe, leading me down a path, right? right? Because we just become like them. Um, and I can choose the professionals that I choose to, I can choose the professionals that are going to speak into my life um, with all of the knowledge that they have. Yeah. Like yeah. that's what, we need that. The, yeah. the best thing that we did when we got into adoption, and listen, let me just make a clear point about adoption. My boys were adopted one day, August 29th, 2003 years ago. Right. Yeah. So 2019, mm -hmm. that was a day that they were adopted. That's not what defines them. Same thing as Jesus. I don't define myself as adopted in Christ. Right. I was adopted in right. Christ. I've become here. So anyway, um, I have to create that safety for them. Yeah. And whatever they do, those behaviors, that stuff that comes out, like all of that, I'm the one who's responsible for it. Right? right, like that, that changes the narrative of punishment. So as adults, we punish ourselves because we have these thoughts or we do these things or we have this, I don't know, interaction. Um, and then we have shame and guilt that follow that. And that continues to feed on and pile on depression. Right. And we need to get out of that. We need to get out of that cycle. I'm not a, listen, I'm not a professional on, yeah. on any Absolutely. of those topics. Absolutely. That's, Absolutely, that's and, and that's your experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, and I we will get to a little bit um, on your background, but I just really want to, you know, talk about things that are are very practical. Mm. You know, because I feel like if we we sit here and we talk about trauma and we talk about healing and we talk about how like th none of that matters until we can sit down and be practical. Yep. You know, like like what is the steps to recovery? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, anyways, but a topic that I think for me is is important is awareness. Yeah, awareness, right? Um, what do I mean? When when we begin to feel a certain way, whether to fight, whether to f uh, flee or freeze, 
I feel like number one, there has to be a certain awareness. Mm-hmm. It has to do with identity. Mm-hmm. It has to do with who you are, why you are the way you are, and why you react to certain things the way you react to them. Yeah. You know, and none of that is gonna happen until you sit down and you ask yourself those hard questions. You wanna know what that looked like for me? Absolutely. So I spent 10 years in addiction. If you had asked me, I've been sober for 14 years, since 2008. Wow. Uh, If you had asked me in 2006, God made me an alcoholic. That's how he made me. That was my identity. And then, long story short, I found out he didn't make me that way. And all of a sudden, my identity completely changed. I, I think that part of understanding that identity is really understanding what does God say about who I am, right? And, and I got to tell you, those first few months of, of recovery that was really, really hard, it was really difficult for me to shed that identity. I mean, it, it felt like a ripping of who I was. Um, and God continued to work and, and show himself, and I didn't go out and use drugs or alcohol, right? Because that, that's where my, my growth is stunted. Right. Um, and, I had, and I was exposed, and I was raw, and it, it, re- it was really, really painful. And so for some of us, um, you know, that you act for, like, what's those practical things? Some of, the, some of us come from such a place of trauma that to get out of it, I mean, we got to go back and really, really deal with. So it's not just easy. It's not easy. I want people to understand it's not that. Easy. It's, not, it's easy. not easy. But today it is. 14 years later, today it is. Yeah. For me not to go out and use drugs and alcohol. Yeah. It's, it's easy for me not to go get in a fist fight, right. which I was never very good at. <laughs> um, it's easy because of of the work that was done yeah the 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 the, the people around me the the safety what god did um and it, it was one step at a time and some of it just felt like just trudging you know i mean in, in a 12-step in a program trudging the road of happy destiny yeah and it's it's really a beautiful thing so for people that are suffering from this and and saying i can't get out of where i'm where i'm at one of the most practical things that we can do is stop sitting in the pile that exists around us and move right motion changes emotion Mm. we need to start you know taking those steps um otherwise we're we're you know doing the same things over and over and again I love expecting that. a different result i love that i um you know i i used to go um work out every day in well i'm from vegas um and so you know going to the gym is kind of like this regular thing for people yeah. out there um but like I, I i found it interesting how i would i would literally always ask people like what is the hardest thing about the gym like you know like like what is it you know feeling the pump or you know like whatever it is and and, and they used to say like getting here it's not, not even the, getting it, here. It's not the physical right. part of the activity that is motion. hard. It's that first motion. It is that first yeah. step to get out of bed. And here's the thing. Get out of bed and mentally say, I'm going to the gym. You know what I did yesterday morning? I, lay, I was awake at six, 6 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And I was like, I got a couple of options. 
I can watch a movie. I can watch a movie. I mean, I got like two hours before I, I have like something scheduled. This is like all my time. And then for what, you know, I couldn't go back to sleep. Like that wasn't an option. I was like, you know what I could do? I could exercise. That'd be super good. And all of a sudden, it was like a flood, a wash of you can't do that. Like that, that's the last thing. You know what I did? I didn't do it. I laid in bed. And I just laid there for like two hours and I finally got up. <laughs> and I look at that and I was like, how much different would that day yesterday, mm -hmm. was it yesterday or the day before? Was like real recently, how different would it have been for me to do that? I, listen, on the, on, the, on the level of, you know, heaven and earth, prince and principalities, right? All of that stuff. Right. Um, I think the enemy wants you to stay still. Mm. And so for a lot of us, yeah. as we, like one of the things that works really well for me today, I set a timer. I don't do it every day. I do this most days. Uh, interestingly enough, I didn't do it, yes, it was yesterday that I, had, that I was up early. Yeah. I set a timer every hour. And, and once an hour, I take a break for like 45 seconds, and I stretch, and I do 15 push-ups. Mm. And it, that may sound silly, especially yeah. if, if somebody's you know, really in it. Like, this is not like, hey, quick tips, do some. Yeah. Um, motion changes emotion. Right? And if I'm in tune to what's going on around me, you know, what's the best part about the gym is leaving. Yeah. I don't like the working out. Yeah. I like the result. Yeah. I hate exercising and I really do. Right. But I love the result because of how I feel mm. afterwards. That drive back after accomplishment. Mm. And it doesn't matter if all I did is walk on the treadmill. Yeah. And even if I could lift 35 pound yeah. curls, I only did 15, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm not. I don't need to impress anybody these days anyway, but it doesn't matter. As long as I've done some motion, I feel super. I've never left the gym and gone. I love that. What, what, was, what, what was that quote? Motion. Motion changes emotion. Motion changes emotion. Um, I love that. I really do. And, you know, we live in a world that is just go, 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 go. Mm. You know, and um, I like how the interesting thing about god the, the interesting thing about the universe the interesting thing about the process and the journey and like whatever you want to call it the interesting thing about it is that it's all about balance yeah for real it's all about balance what do i mean you need to work to eat come on but then you also see god take a rest day when the almighty God is the almighty God that has all strength, power, whatever you want he to call it. He wasn't tired. Why does he take a rest? Still rested. And so, like, yes, rest is bad at times when you're not doing anything towards your goals, dreams, passions, whatever you want to call it. But the rest is needed yeah. within that process. Well, and let's, let's, I mean, really consider, this is what you're saying is, when I say motion, yeah. I'm talking motion contrary mm. to what's keeping you in the same spot. Yeah. Right? So let me give you a, a silly example. Ooh, talk about that. Talk about that. I, I got, uh, we moved to El Dorado from Kansas City. Right. And my biggest concern was I had Google Fiber Internet that was 
blazing fast, two ping. And, and now you're in the woods. No lag, <laughs> right? You know, like, yeah. I love video games and this low, high ping is killer. Yeah. You can have the best internet ever and high ping, it, it, like, it just wrecks everything. Right. And so we knew coming to El Dorado, we were gonna lose that. Mm. And where we were, the internet's bad. So I got like a T-Mobile hotspot, a Verizon hotspot. We have um, an AT&T hotspot, just to make sure, because I work from home, yeah. I, can, I can do all that stuff from home and, and never lose internet connection. And right. we have home internet that's really, really bad. Horrible. And um, uh, Tuesday, I got fiber internet installed at my door. Really? Like unbelievable. 10 ping in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Like it's, it's yeah. glorious. Um, I realized during my day on Wednesday, um, I was so productive because I wasn't distracted. I'd pull up a website and it'd load right away and I'd do my work mm. and, 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 and all of this stuff. What I realized is what I was doing before is that it would take some time for something to load and I'd start doing something else. And I had bad habits. Mm. And so I'd check the news. So I'm reading about all this stuff. And then yeah. it's like, well, then I'm going to look this up. Yeah. Or I'm going to play a little game on my phone or, you know, while this stuff loads. Right. And all of that motion led to zero results, zero productivity. In fact, at the end of the day, some days I'd be like, man, I really didn't get a lot done. I've got a lot more to do tomorrow. And what I realized, and this, again, silly example, but when, when, all, when, when I could get the content that I needed to right. do the next thing, I was really, really productive. Yeah. And so I use that as an example to say, um, we can be really busy doing stuff yeah. and having zero productivity. 100%. Right? The motion that changes emotion is, is, is something that is moving me towards that productivity. Yeah. It may just be the setting the alarm, waking up, you wake up at the alarm. Yeah. I mean, 99% yeah. of the time you're gonna wake up. Then it's the motion to get out of bed and put your shoes on, yeah. that's it. Yeah. If it's loneliness, maybe it's the motion is reaching out to that safe, trusted person. Yeah. For me, a lot of times it's simply getting on my knees and being like, God, can I invite you into what I'm feeling? Yeah. You know, and, and taking that, that yeah. That type of motion. Um, last episode, I talked a little bit about 2019 winter um, was just a, a really, really dark place for me. I was going through depression mm -hmm. and uh, I would go from work to bed to eat to go back to bed. I'm watching Netflix, like no contact with the outside world. Like it's just me, work, bed, repeat, mm -hmm. you know? And so um, me saying that is I had to make a decision of okay, enough is enough. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, for me, you know, that me personally, while I was laying in bed and, and mind you, I was Christian at the time and I heard the, I heard a voice from God and it said, um, no man is an island. Yeah. And when I heard this voice, I was like, what does this mean? No man is an island. And to this day, it impacts my life. And so what I understood was depression had a stronghold over my life because I was alone. And when the enemy has you alone, you will be defeated. Yep. You will be defeated. I promise you. There's no ifs, buts. And, like, if you are doing life alone, you're going to die. Look at the suicide rate of remote school 
in, in Las Vegas. 100%. I was listening to NPR this morning and they were talking about the violence now in schools and looking back at the uh, suicide rate of, of teens during remote schooling. And it was like 1,800% higher than the, than the year before. I, I don't know the exact number, but it was insane. Yeah. And it had to do with... Isolation. Isolation. 100%. And I said this about the pandemic. I said this about the lock-in. If, if you, even you as a Christian, right? Let's talk a little bit spirit, spirituality. If you as a Christian thrived spiritually, mm-hmm. like you were spiritually developing yourself before COVID, you were thriving in it. And if you were sinking and not being productive spiritually, the millstone mentally, is tied and you're sinking. You, yeah. During the pandemic, you're dying for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. So listen, this, this brings a thought to mind. Like if, I don't know, if someone's listening to this, like for me, I already know what that thing is that I need to go do. Right. It's the thing I don't want to do the most. Mm. Right? It's going back to that community that I've walked away from. Yeah. It's like the, the local church. Right? Come back. Come back. It's not a perfect place, yeah. but come back. We see a lot of that um, in, in our community of people that have been hurt by the church. Yeah. Right? And so then they stay away. Yeah. And it's like we've been, we've been, we spent five years in the desert for another conversation, but yeah. um, depression and loneliness and isolation and it it served its incredible purpose and and god has brought us out of the desert yeah. amazingly into the promised into land the of promise el dorado springs man yeah. i mean it, it really it really is um and it's beautiful it's so good um to not be in that yeah the biggest thing 100%. that changed was starting to be open to a community of people other believers it, we weren't necessarily serving. We were just being around that. And I need so people to right. understand, we're not just talking about church here. Yes, we are Christian. Yes, we believe in... Most of the people, like legit, I'm just being honest here, like with my audience, with everyone. Most of the people I get messages about are people like that aren't going to church. That's cool. Yeah. Like, like people are like, yo, I needed that. And they don't go to church, yeah. mind you. Right, so we're not just talking about oh, I need you guys to go to church. I'm talking about get in a group that you see is where you want to be in. You, you, we could talk about financially, we could talk about mentally, we could talk about spiritually, we could talk about emotionally, we could talk about physically. If you want to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, like go into a CrossFit gym. Yeah. If you want to be more intellectually inclined, go to a library. I say it this way. Direction determines destination. And say that again. If I am, if what I want is... I need you to say it again. Let's say it again. Let's say it again. <laughs> Direction determines uh, destination. If what I want is over there, hmm. but I'm facing this way, likely what I'm doing is be like, why can't I get this? Yeah. Why can't what I want the most happen? So let's talk about a pity party. <laughs> let's talk about a pity party. And this is going to touch people's nerves right now. 
Because a lot of people, and I'm just being honest, because I've done, I've did it myself. I've done it myself. I grew up in a household that my my father was absent. My mother was little to nowhere to be found in the house. Like you ain't cooking for me. Like like and nothing against her. Like I love my moms. That's my mom's for show. But I could I. I and I did throw myself a pity party. My dad's not around, so I'm gonna go and do drugs. I'm gonna go and get some alcohol. I'm gonna go and get this girl because that's what fulfills me. And the thing about it is this. When you throw yourself a pity party, there is no one to blame but yourself. You're not, it, it, like, you need to take ownership of your life. We need to start doing that as a human race. And we're gonna talk about abortion in a bit. But we need to take ownership of what is our decisions. You know what I realized about my pity parties? You know what they really are? It's pride. Yeah. I don't want to change. Mm. I don't want to move. I want to feel sorry for myself. Right. And because I don't feel good, I want to make everybody else around me miserable. Right. Um, and, you know, you, you, you play that tape out. Um, that's really what led me to depression and um, the serious contemplation of suicide. I didn't think that I would live to be 30, and if I did live to be 30, I was going to kill myself. Yeah. Now, just to show how great God is, on my 30th birthday, I was in the hospital mm. holding my two-day-old daughter. Mm. And that whole day, man, I was like... I just, man, I missed it. I missed it so hard. Yeah. So much time feeling sorry for myself. And this is what you had in store? Yeah. That I would yeah. miss this? Mm. Uh, wow. I want to tell people, I want to tell people, don't take your time for granted. Because we all go through pain. Yeah. We will all go through suffering. We will all go through battles and, and struggles and, and, and storms that just feel like they're never ending. But that doesn't mean that you have to stay there. It doesn't necessarily mean that you need to die in that storm. Right. Because I truly do believe the best things in life I, I've learned through a storm. Yeah. I learned how to be the greatest father because I didn't have a father. Yeah. I learned to be a great husband, not because I had someone to look at, but because there was no one to look at. No. And the thing about it is this, pity parties, you could genuinely go through pity parties your whole life. Yeah. But the thing about it is this, when you get into the deathbed, you will have so much regrets that it's just a waste of time being here on earth. So what got, what, what, let me ask you a question. What, yeah. got, what got you out of that, that cycle? Yeah. Right, what was, what was the, I'm gonna stop feeling sorry for myself that my father didn't give me the things that I, I want him, like, you as a child, like that is a real loss. That's, oh, that's trauma, right? Mm -hmm. Part of your pity is a survival technique yeah. that for a time 
gets you from A to B, and then you use it as this is where I'm going to stay, yeah. and it becomes exceptionally detrimental to you, yeah. to the part where you're a great husband and a loving father, not missing a moment of yeah. what's going on. What what what? What's that transformation look like for you? I was tired of waiting for people. Come on. I was tired of waiting on a person that was in my imagination that will one day come to my rescue and say, Juan, this is how you do this, this is how you do that. This, uh, I had to learn that my father wasn't gonna be there. Yeah. And that's tough. I'm not saying, like, I'm not saying it was like, oh yeah, my dad's not gonna be there. Like, it's this easy thing to swallow. It's like, this is it's this easy pill to swallow. It's not. But I had to realize that no one, and this might have to do a little bit with pride, but no one is going to care for you more than you care for yourself. Mind you, that is a phrase, but God is going to look out for you more than you look out for yourself. But you as a human need to believe in yourself. You need to have... I call it Godfidence. Yeah. I love that. Because God believes in you and he loves you. But at the same time, God is not going to pick up your leg and take the step for you. Faith without works is dead. You could believe all you want. You can, you can imagine this amazing life. You can have the beautiful house in your imagination. You can have the car. You can have the wife. You can have the kids, the dogs. You can have the furniture. I'm in the furniture phase right now. It's expensive. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But the thing about it is this. You could believe in all that. But if you don't point yourself in that direction, it means absolutely nothing. And so... Here's what I love about that, uh, of a lot of things, is the thought that, that Christians especially, or if we're standing on the other side of that where it doesn't, we don't, we're not feeling it and the faith without works is dead, that I gotta go do something incredible so God will then do, mm. that does, that's not his promise, right. that I need to go do something incredible. Right. His promise is, more related to if I look at it from an example from my life is instead of continuing to lay in the pile and the mess and the self-hatred that I've continued to live in is I'm going to stand and that work God will say now now we're moving I'm going to keep it I'm going to keep it a whole book with y'all right let's take a quick look into the life of Jesus I don't really bring up scripture I don't really bring up religion in my podcast like me personally but I'm just going to go there right now all right when Jesus healed, when Jesus did miracles, he didn't just look at the people and say, okay, just stay there. Yeah. You'll, you'll be fine. <laughs> he literally said, get up and take your mat and go. He didn't say, just stay there. I love lay. it, man. That's it. Like, there is an action step when we believe, there has to be a certain action step. And it's not, listen, and that's the point, it's not some insane thing that I can't do. 100%. But interestingly enough, I can relate this to my own life or the example that you're talking about with the mat. 
is we just he just laid there. Yeah. He couldn't. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I love it. And we're going to talk a little bit about your testimony real quick, but also I I I want to touch that, you know? Like what does it take to get there? Like mentally. Because the mind is such a powerful yeah. place that we do hold ourselves pity parties in here. So let's talk about survival, right? Because yeah. that's, that's, really, that's really what that is. And so if, if I'm in a constant place of pain and, and trauma, I'm only doing what I can do to survive yeah. in the moment. Yeah. And presented with a safe environment, I'm still going to respond in a way that is self, like self-survival, right? Yeah. And, 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 in, and in that mode. Um, for me, um, February 10th, 2008, dramatic transformation going from drugs and alcohol to that's, that's the last, that's the last day that I, that was my first day sober. Um, and what it, what it really looked Mm. like from my perspective uh, or my experience is I stopped putting that substance into my body, yeah. whatever it is. And, and listen, that's, that, I think that that al- aligns with anybody. It's like, what's that thing that you're doing every day that's harming you? Stop doing that. And that's hard. Right? But that's not, you have to understand that, that your identity isn't that thing, mm. whatever, whatever it is. I mean, like, is it pornography? Is it being consumed by all these big things that are going on in the news and, and you know, feeling hopeless. Right. Is it feeling hopeless? Yeah. Is it blaming somebody for your situation? Is it yeah. the thing that, you, you know, the addiction or, or whatever it is? Um, and that, because that wasn't my identity, um, which I thought it was, yeah. I could be free of that. And then I could start to heal. Mm. Then I could start to realize where the, I remember, so I, when I got sober, uh, all of the people around me that fed into addiction and, and that left. Yeah. Some couple of good friends that stayed, but everybody else was gone. Uh, I stopped going to those places that were harmful. Yeah. And I got a sponsor, mm. somebody that I could speak honestly to that has walked the path before me. Yeah. Uh, which is, I think, a lot of reason why we have the experiences that we have so that we can share them with other people right. and help them along in the place that they're at because we know what that road is. And if you've been on that road, I'm going to trust you more than I don't care if you're a professional and you Absolutely. go to school about it. Like, I'm going to listen to you every time. Absolutely. I remember sitting at his counter one day and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm in denial. See, I thought denial was like knowing the truth but just rejecting, like, like not living it out. Yeah. Whatever truth it is. Um, and truly denial is I believe a lie I believe a lie and finally exposed to the truth I was like oh my gosh I've been lying to myself Mm. all this time about my identity about whatever it is and that was really the first moment of freedom that I felt that Whoever I thought I was, I don't have to be that anymore. Yeah. I, I'm believing a lie. I can be free. Yeah. I can start to build relationships with others that are right. healthy. Right. I don't have to feel depressed as a result of my actions. 
Yeah. I, I want to finish up, and um, I want to ask you a question about, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about before, and I thought it was, like, insane. Insane, you know, um, a little bit of your background. Um, and, and obviously now, you know, you, you work with an organization that, that mm -hmm. fights back abortion. And, yep. and, and it's crazy how it all ties in, which is weird, you know. But take <laughs> us back um, to your days in the womb, you know. Yeah, this is crazy. Like, yeah. even I say it's crazy. Yeah, no, 100% uh, it is. So my birth mom went to have an abortion and um, sought the services of George Tiller, which George Tiller was the most prolific late-term abortionist in all of United States history from, I don't know, late 70s to the, yeah. for, for a long, long time in Wichita, Kansas. And, um, she didn't he didn't perform the abortion but not only did he not perform the abortion um, george and his wife took my birth mother in and she lived with them for the last uh, four months of the pregnancy wow. which there's not truly a more dangerous place for an unborn baby to be than in the home of the most prolific late-term abortionist in all united states history 100 percent at any moment, yeah. I didn't even know. I, I don't have, obviously, any recollection of that. Yeah. But if that had occurred, then I'm not sitting here today. Yeah. It's bigger than that. So I have five children. They don't have what they have. Mm. My two adopted children would have existed not in a place of safety, the way that that story worked out. Yeah. And my biological children wouldn't be alive, and their yeah. children and their children. Yeah. Here's the amazing part about that is um, my mom and dad who couldn't, can I tell that part of the story? Yeah. My mom and dad who couldn't have children um, at that exact same time were sitting across town a few miles from George Tiller's house. Mm having this conversation with God, and they were like, if you would keep, God, the one thing from us that we want the most, the one thing, and that's to have a child. Yeah. Oh, man. Your will be done. Mm. And God had already planned. All of, like, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I can't, I, my life, that whole thing, yeah. who am I? Not self-deprecating in that way, or, right. or, but who am I? But to my parents' faithfulness that they would say, your will be done. I mean, that's like, you know, back to Samuel, where he came from, yeah. right? And Hannah's promise to God and her yeah. pleading to God and God hearing that and honoring her. Yeah. And like, that was, that, and then she gave Samuel away and look what he went to go on and do. Right. I'm not saying I'm Samuel yeah, by, by any yeah, means, but yeah. it's like it was Hannah's faithfulness yeah. and God's plan. Yeah. Right? It's my parents' faithfulness and God's plan. Yeah. And I ended up, you know, walking away and rejecting this rich family heritage of my uh, mom and dad, who, you know, in this context, are my adoptive uh, that, parents. Right. They're my that's my mama. That's my dad. Yeah. 
um, amazing home that I grew up and I and still rejected those rich family values and, and walked my own path for a long time and what the neat part about that is uh, hey are they adopting right now or can I get adopted real quick? <laughs> come on man They're, they they really are amazing yeah they got a great swimming pool y'all come yeah. over and swim, swim in and yeah my mom is great uh, and so is my dad and um, really really neat and even okay. still with all of that goodness I, I, I walked away. Mm. What a shame. But um, yeah. that's crazy. And, and so what do you think um, took you from, like, uh, you know, you have all these, you have a great home, right? Um, quote, unquote, I don't know what the living circumstances were. Um, but, you know, you, you have a good place, mm. right? Financially and whatever. I don't know. I don't know what that all look like. But what took you from that to alcohol and drugs? Like, well, like was it rebellion? Yeah. What was it? Well, like, what was it? Um, I wanted... I, I thought... I wanted a faster way to achieve, to achievement. I wanted... Um, I wanted everything that the world had to offer, and I wanted it right away. Mm. And the place of uh, confidence, I thought, came from how you feel when you're, when you're on drugs and alcohol. Yeah. Like, so inside me, that made me feel like I can. And all that did was take everything away from me that I, that I had. All that rich heritage and like, all, all that stuff and potential. Yeah. I got fired from jobs. Um, couldn't keep a job at, at all. Yeah. Um, it was selfishness, man. Mm. And that's the craziest thing. It wasn't, wasn't something weird or unique or, or some severe trauma that I was running from. Yeah. I wanted a shortcut. And I thought that that was the way. Mm. Um, and the reality is, I liked the way it made me feel, or I thought that I did. Right. And I remember the first time that I drank, I was like, I'm going to do this as much as I can for as long as I can, and I don't care if it kills me. Yeah. That's a crazy thing yeah, to say. 100%. And, you know, truth be told, it, it took about 10 years, and I was to that point of mm-hmm. life and death. Yeah. That's nuts. That's insane. And then in that last moment, God said to me, I love you. Truly, like, this is an actual yeah. conversation. I love you. And I was like, but you don't understand. I don't have anything to offer you. Yeah. And he said, exactly. And I still love you. And I was like, that's it. I don't want any of this old life. I want more of this. Yeah. And I had no idea. And in fact, I said this. I don't care if nothing changes. I just want more of you. Yeah. And I had no idea what I was saying. I was about rocketed into the fourth, fifth, sixth dimension of transformation. It's a lot of work. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know if you want to plug anything that, um, that you do. Um, you know, as far as uh, your job or anything like that. But, no, man. I, listen, um, at the end of the day, um, the the biggest threat that I think exists in our in our world today is is the reality or the idea, the idea, not the reality, that I can't change. That you know, my situation is is the way that it's always going to be, and, and be self defeated. Yeah. Right. Um, I speak nationally on on adoption and abortion and. Um, you know, that's, that's really, really important. Um, but, you know, support a local uh, pre- crisis pregnancy center, 
right? Yeah. Come alongside yeah. those people. People that have abortions aren't broken forever or we, we love them right. deeply. Um, you know, all that stuff. But, you know, it's, it's, it's really the only thing that I would say in, re- in response to that is who you are today isn't who you, who you have to be tomorrow. Yeah. God taking a step in the right direction even. Like maybe like as I think about it, Somebody listening that's going, I don't want to go to church. Yeah, 100%. I don't, I don't want to do that. Like, thanks for listening this long. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's as simple as, you know, when, let me say it this way. Sorry, I know we're going long, but. You're good, you're good. Um, when I did 12-step, Alcoholics Anonymous, right? Um, a lot of the, some of those people in there are atheists, agnostic. Yeah. Believe in all kinds of different stuff. Right. You know what we all do? And, and you, can, you can, like you're free. Like do it, believe whatever you want. Right. Um, come get healed. And, and people do. Yeah. Um, get on your knees. Mm. And ask yeah. God to change your life. Mm. And even that action, when yeah. I don't understand what I believe, something changes. Yeah. And God does something in that moment. That's, yeah. that's, that's, been talk about this for all day long but i love that i, I love that um every time i get a, a guest to come on and you know just just share and, and have a conversation um i always like finishing up with this um and it's a question uh i ask everyone um when you're in your you know tomorrow like, like just imagining um in the future in the future 20 30 how old do you want to be when you die how do I want to be yeah. when I die? Yeah. You want to be? You want to hit the one twenty? Come boy? on, man. Yeah, let's go. Really? I don't want to. I'm, I'm, I'm good to go at one ten. You know what I'm saying? One ten. Like, I mean, because you know, you gonna have to like not walk and. You know. It depends on its quality of life, right? <laughs> that's, like, that's what. That's, that's why it's stretch in the morning. Okay. Yeah. Getting, yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyways, we're 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 at the at your deathbed, and uh, you got everyone around you that um, loves you, your kids, your wife, uh, your friends, your family. Um, they're all around you. And uh, you can only say the three greatest advice that you can give them. Um, what is that? Holy smokes. Yeah. Never miss an opportunity to say nothing. Mm. So my dad told me. And still tell me. It means listen. Yeah. Never miss an opportunity to say nothing. Mm-hmm. I think we said it earlier, direction determines destination, mm. right? Because yeah. I don't want people to, in, in that moment, like I get, that was like strange as you were saying that, like I was picturing it and I was like, oh man, yeah. that felt weird. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's coming at some point, hopefully yeah. a long time. A long, long time from now, for sure. Um, I don't want those people to stay there, right. whether it's later today or you know, 30 years, 40 years from now, 50 years from now. Um, I don't want them to stay in that moment and let that be a place in their life that introduces trauma yeah. to them. Right. Right? I want them to let go. Yeah. That's probably what I'd say is, I'm good. Yeah. I'm not afraid. Mm. See you soon, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Some, some, some of that. Uh, but for real, we all talk too much yeah. and listen way too little mm. and think that we know uh, much more about things than we do. Mm. Really, mm. Yeah. and then and then speak into things yeah. that we don't know about yeah. that are harmful to others. Yeah. Never miss an opportunity to say nothing is one of the greatest single pieces of advice 
suggestion. Let's yeah. call it a suggestion. Yeah. Um, I use that in business. I use that in negotiation. Yeah. It's amazing what a little bit of silence will do. Mm. In right, and you always hear the right, the right, the right thing. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Well, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to Elevator Podcast. Um, it is um, an honor. It's a privilege to be in your ear. Whatever it is that you're doing. Um, thank you so much, Dan. Thank you so much for coming on, uh, speaking some life, speaking some wisdom so. uh, to people's lives. And uh, but yeah, man, thanks so much. Uh, love you guys. See you guys next week. I love y'all. Stay safe. Let's go ahead and keep on digging in, guys, and healing. Love y'all.